Watching the sunlight lower as daylight fades into the horizon is a most satisfying way to end any day, especially when you live on the Emerald Isle. Leaning up against the trunk of a gray willow tree, on top of a grassy hill, watching as the wind sways the rolling green fields like peaceful ripples in the Irish Sea. That peace is interrupted when in the distance you see a figure approaching. It is tiny at first, but as it grows nearer, you make out the shape of a woman. She is walking towards you on feet so graceful that she seems to float. A flutter starts to build in your stomach, but gradually turns to dread. The figure seems to be familiar, but not menacing. Finally, you remember, and you hope that you are wrong. She seems to be singing or crying. It is hard to tell which, but you know. You already know. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we are discussing the Banshee, the Celtic Harbinger of Death. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave us an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. Alan lived with his parents, Lewis and Betty, and his younger sister and brother, Sarah and Bobby, in a small town in Kentucky. It was one of those towns where when you happen to drive through, you feel like you have just stepped back in time. Some visitors have said that it was like stepping back into the 50s, right down to the pharmacy and the ice cream shop being one and the same. There were a couple of churches, but only one grocery store and one gas station. The gas station was an old Texaco station where you could fill up your tank, grab a snack, or get your flat fixed. This is where Alan was working when he turned 16. Old Man Riggs, who we will just call Calvin, owned the place. He had hired Alan to pump gas and fix flats. His gas station was full service, and being the only one in town, there was always a customer or two there. Calvin told Alan that he needed a younger set of hands because his were just getting too damn old. He had been good to Alan and was helping him fix up one of his old pickup trucks. He told Alan he could buy it for the price of the parts that they had put into it after he had saved up enough to pay him back and the truck was road ready. Alan had passed his driver's exam the week after his birthday. He couldn't wait for his truck to be finished. In the meantime, he would use his mother's car or his dad's truck after school to get to work. He could have easily walked the two miles from his house to the station, but his mother had insisted that she had seen a Black Panther cross in front of her car one night on the way home from church. The dirt road leading to their house was long and winding, and even though Alan was sure that his mother had imagined seeing something that everyone else knew was just a local myth, he was happy to get to drive. One night, Alan had stayed late to clean up the shop for a few extra bucks. He had organized the shelves inside the store area before Calvin had left earlier, 
and now he was sweeping out the garage. He jumped when the signal bell went off. Usually, when someone pulled up to the gas pumps, the signal would do two quick dings, letting them know that they had a customer. Everyone in town knows that the station is closed at 9, and it was almost 10, so Alan was curious to see who could be here at this hour. When he stepped out of the garage, he looked around, but he didn't see anyone. There was no car at the pumps, and no sign that anyone had been there. A little creeped out was the best way to describe his feelings at that moment. So when Alan stepped back into the garage, he quickly pulled the door down and locked it. Normally, he didn't spook easily, but being at the station this late and alone was unnerving anyways. Alan reached for the broom, and as he did, the lights in the garage began to flicker. That was all he needed, as if he wasn't feeling spooked enough already. Quickly finishing up the sweeping, Alan made his way around to make sure all the doors were locked. After checking each one, he exited through the front entrance and locked it with the key Calvin had left with him. The drive home would be a little slower tonight. A low-lying mist had moved in after dark, making the road hard to see. Turning down the dirt road that led to Alan's house, the headlights caught a figure off the side of the road. It looked like a woman. She was moving slow and seemed to be a little disoriented. The strangest part of this whole situation was the way she was dressed. She was wearing a long flowing dress that made her look like she was wearing a costume. It was like nothing he had ever seen and odd for her to be wearing on a walk down a dirt road late at night. Alan stopped for a moment, trying to decide what to do. His dad would never leave a lady on the side of the road in the dark, so there was only one thing that he could do. He slowly pulled up beside her, not too close, but just close enough she could hear him over the truck when he yelled and asked her if she needed some help. The woman didn't look over at him at first, but she stopped and stood there. Starting to get that creepy feeling again for the second time that night, Alan was just about to go ahead and take off when she finally turned her head and looked at him. In what seemed like an instant, she was not only looking at him, but had suddenly appeared mere inches from the truck door. Alan startled, jumped back, and leaned away but didn't take his eyes off of her. He was in shock by the way that she looked up close. She had long hair, and the wind was wrapping it around her neck and chin. Her eyes were red, as if she had been crying for a very long time. It was her mouth that took Alan aback. It was open, and not just a little. She had her mouth open so wide that it looked inhumanly wrong. Alan slowly reached for the steering wheel, but just as he did, this terrifying woman, witch monster looking thing, let out a scream that caused pain, like an ice pick to shoot through his head. Clasping his hands over his ears, Alan hit the gas, causing the truck to plunge off the road. He grabbed the wheel with both hands and gained control of the truck, just nearly missing a tree. He managed to steer the truck back onto the road, almost high-centering it on a pile of dirt left from a road grader. Once the truck was safely back on the road, 
Alan took off fast. Looking into the rearview mirror, there was no trace of the woman. Alan made it safely home, and he sat in the truck only for a minute to gain his composure before heading into the house. As Alan made his way up the porch, he paused one more time to look back at the road. All he could see was an empty road and the dark silhouette of the forest. Alan's dad had waited up for him, which seemed to be something his parents took turns doing since he started working. But this wasn't going to be like those other nights. Alan's dad was pale, and his face looked strained. He motioned for Alan to sit down, and he proceeded to tell Alan that something horrible had happened. He said that old man Riggs, Calvin, had been attacked in his home. When he arrived home from work, he had startled a burglar and was stabbed. His wounds had been too severe, and he had died on the way to the hospital. This night had quickly turned into a nightmare for Alan. First the creepy screaming lady, and now his boss, not just his boss, but his friend, was gone. As Alan lay in bed that night, he thought about everything that happened that evening. He had the strangest feeling that everything was connected. The phantom bell ringer at the garage, the screaming woman, and Calvin's death. It didn't make any sense, but what Alan didn't know was that soon, very soon, he would understand the connection. Before we continue, this episode of Freaky Folklore is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life has its ups and downs, and whether things are going well or not so well, you might find yourself struggling to be happy or motivated. As for me, I often find it difficult to motivate myself enough to stick to a proper diet and exercise regimen, even though both those things end up making me happy. Luckily, finding the help you need has never been easier thanks to BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash Freaky Folklore. You'll find that BetterHelp is not a crisis line, nor is it self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is an online therapy service that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Don't worry about awkward waiting rooms. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Then you can message your counselor anytime. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that communication is comfortable, clear, and on your terms. Available online, BetterHelp offers to help your need with counselors specializing in depression, anxiety, sleep, grief, and more. Convenient, professional, affordable, and confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash freaky folklore. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Freaky Folklore. Thanks, BetterHelp. The lore of the Banshee has changed over generations and throughout many cultures. In the earliest Irish history, Banshees were not viewed as horrific as they are today. They did not bring death, but warned of the death of a loved one in order for the family to prepare. It was not always a significantly gory death either, 
as it could be someone over a hundred years of age dying of natural causes. The Banshee would be their loved one's escort to make sure they passed safely to the other side. As years went by and stories passed from family to family and culture to culture, the lore of the Banshee slowly changed. Today, Banshees are believed to be malevolent spirits who produce high-pitched screams. The screams are so powerful that anyone within hearing may have burst eardrums and will surely be marked for death. Some believe that only the intended victim can hear her screams and will eventually be driven mad until they finally take their own life. These screams that drive them insane will cause the victim to bash their head in. It is also believed that once the victim is dead, she will feed upon the frontal lobe of their brain using her long tongue, which is specifically designed for this. The Banshee's appearance is something that causes a lot of debate online. Some say that she takes on the form of a short old woman with long, dirty hair. Others say that she appears as a tall woman wearing a gray cloak over a bright green dress with flowing red hair. One feature of her appearance tends to remain the same in many accounts of what she looks like. Her eyes. A banshee's eyes are said to be roaring red, caused by her constant tears. Her mouth is said to always be open because she never ceases her wailing. The description that terrifies many is that of an old hunched woman that would appear outside your home in the darkest of night. Her face is veiled and her hair is long, black and billowing in the wind, and her clothing is old and tattered. The size of the banshee is another physical feature that differs between regional accounts. Though some accounts of her standing unnaturally tall are recorded, most tales that describe her height state that the banshee's stature is short, anywhere between one foot and four feet. Her exceptional shortness often goes alongside the description of her as an old woman, though it may also be intended to emphasize her state as a fairy creature. Regardless of whether she is young or old, a fairy or a spirit, and whether she decides to appear to someone at night or during the day, her appearance is one that is said to strike fear in all those that lay eyes upon her. Sometimes, the Banshee assumes the form of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred. Or she may be seen at night as a shrouded woman, crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with a veiled face, or flying past in the moonlight crying bitterly. The cry of this spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth and betokens certain death to some member of the family whenever it is heard in the silence of the night. Banshees are believed to be able to make themselves intangible and may be able to camouflage themselves to their surroundings. Like ghosts, they emit strong electromagnetism, which causes lights to flicker when they approach. Accordingly, EMF meters are highly responsive in rooms where a banshee was recently present. They are believed to have powers to pick up and throw people and things around 
and are capable of floating through the air. According to the mythology of the Banshee, if she is spotted, she will vanish into a cloud of mist, and this action creates a noise like that of a bird flapping its wings. The Banshee may be able to be harmed by cold forged iron. Salt supposedly repels the Banshee, as it is considered to be pure and anathema to the denizens of the spirit world. A gold blade, decapitation, and heart extrication are several of the other ways you apparently might be able to kill a banshee. Let's hope if you encounter one, you get lucky with whichever method you choose. Historians have traced the first stories of the banshee to the 8th century which were based on a tradition where women sang a sorrowful song to lament someone's death. These women were known as keeners, and since they accepted alcohol as payment, they were said to be sinners and punished by being doomed to become banshees. The Irish tradition of keening over the body during the funeral procession and at the burial site is distinct from the wake. The practice of watching over the corpse, which takes place the night before the burial, and may last for more than one night. The keen itself is thought to have been constituted of stock poetic elements, set to local lament. While generally carried out by one of several women, a chorus may have been intoned by all present. Physical movements involving rocking, kneeling, or clapping accompanied the keening woman who was often paid for her services. Today, many people who have heard of keening think of it as a performance of wild, disheveled, wailing women by the graveside. This is how many non-Gaelic speakers interpreted what they saw, and therefore one of the many ways the tradition was undermined. Our understanding from the sources remaining is that keening was a social practice and art form steeped in the depth and beauty of the Gaelic musical tradition. Keens are said to have contained raw, unearthly emotion, spontaneous word, repeated motives, crying, and elements of song. Structure was provided by banging on the coffin in the ground and the repetition of familiar refrains and vocables. Up until the middle of the last century, keeners could often be heard at an Irish wake women who would be often paid with a glass of whiskey to vocalize the grief of the family through wells and cries, while gathered around the deceased body in the family home. An ancient tradition, keeners could mourn over the body for days, but with thanks to the power of the Catholic Church, the tradition died out in Ireland in the 1950s. The Irish Church deemed the practice, often regarded as pagan ritual, as inappropriate, and families began to fear that to engage in keening at their family's members' wake would make them appear backward or as part of a backward-thinking culture. Because of these ancient customs, it is believed that not all banshees are hate-filled creatures. There are some that had strong ties to their families and life and continued to watch over them in death. When they manifest themselves, these banshees appear as a beautiful, enchanting woman that sings a sorrowful, haunting song, which is filled with concern and love for their families. This song can be heard a few days before the death of a family member, and in most cases, the song can only be heard by the person for whom it is intended. On the other side of the coin, 
we have the angry and scary banshee that most of us are familiar with. During their lives, these women had reasons to hate their families and appear as distorted and frightening apparitions filled with hatred. The howls emitted by these banshees are enough to chill you to the bone, and rather than appearing to warn a family member, these banshees are celebrating the future demise of someone they loathed. The banshee is not only thought to possibly be a fairy, but some think that she is a disembodied spirit that can appear in many of the different forms that were discussed earlier. There is another legend about a young woman who was nicknamed Banshee, which means Woman of the Fairy Mound. She murdered her husband, or may have been wrongfully accused of doing so. Her neighbors accused her of sacrificing her husband to the devil and burned her at the stake as a witch. Her spirit, as revenge, haunts the families of the neighbors who killed her and may even take their lives with her lethal screams. Another piece of history is that she is often seen combing her hair with a silver comb while crying. If you are ever to happen upon a mysterious silver comb, you should not touch it or she will come for you. Other Irish mythology stories relating to the Banshee say that she is the ghost of a young girl that suffered a brutal death, and her spirit remains to warn family members that a violent death is imminent. It is said that this Banshee appears as an old woman with rotten teeth and long fingernails. She wears rags and has blood-red eyes that are so filled with hate that looking directly into them will cause immediate death. And again, this banshee's mouth is always open as her piercing scream torments the souls of the living. No one is actually sure where banshees get their knowledge of a person's death from. One theory suggests that each family member has his own personal observer who follows him around and reports back to the banshee. However, this is a belief that is slowly dying out as is the tale of the banshee which is now regarded as nothing more than a spooky bedtime story. Many centuries ago, belief in banshees was more widespread in Ireland, and being a disbeliever was said to be blasphemous. Perhaps you have a grandparent who still holds this belief. For the rest of us, the legend of the banshee falls into the myth and superstition category. So if you're enjoying a night out in Ireland and hear a piercing scream, it is unlikely to be the Banshee offering a warning. But on the other hand, it's better to be safe than sorry. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club. 
where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Banshees have a powerful place in pop culture, appearing in multiple movies, animations, TV series, comics, novels, and video games. In 2011, a monster movie titled Scream of the Banshee was released. The movie was directed by Stephen C. Miller and starred Lauren Holly, Lance Henriksen, and Eric F. Adams. As the storyline goes, an archaeology professor unearths a dangerous artifact, unwittingly releasing a creature that can kill with the power of its bone-splitting scream. Anyone who hears her screams are tortured mentally until the Banshee finally takes their life. Another famous movie that features the Banshee as an added scare is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, based on the novel series by J.K. Rowling. Fans of the series will remember when a boggart takes the form of a Banshee to scare Seamus Finnegan. You can also find the Banshee making appearances in popular animations such as Scooby-Doo, SpongeBob SquarePants, and Disney Pixar's Mater in the Ghostlight. The list of video games that have featured the Screaming Banshee is immense, but here are a few of your favorites. You can find a Banshee incorporated as an airborne vehicle named after the monster in the Halo video game series. The Banshee also takes on the form of the enemy in half a dozen of the Final Fantasy game series. The Banshee seems to be a very popular name for loud cars and weapons of destruction, emphasizing the danger and power of its namesake in many video games such as Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. There have actually been numerous accounts of real encounters with the Wailing Banshee or at least something very much like it, going all the way up to modern times. One popular account mentioned in the book, True Irish Ghost Stories, supposedly occurred back in the early 1900s, when a member of a family in Cork told of how her esteemed family had been plagued by a banshee. She states that her mother, when she was a young girl while standing looking out of the window of her house at Black Rock, near Cork, suddenly saw a white figure standing on a bridge, which was easily visible from the house. The figure waved her arms towards the house, and her mother heard the bitter wailing of the banshee. Her mother told her that it lasted more than some seconds, and then the figure disappeared. The next morning, her grandfather, her mother's father, was walking as usual into the city of Cork when he accidentally fell. He hit his head against the curbstone and was knocked out. According to the girl's mother, he never regained consciousness. From the 1940s, there are two anonymous spooky accounts of what seems to be banshees, or something very similar. This was reported to have happened first along a dark cemetery road called Old Howard Street in the town of Fulton Place. 
The witness stated that it was here that an elderly man was suddenly bedridden by some mysterious debilitating disease, after which scores of squawking crows began to congregate around the home for reasons no one could fathom. The witness goes on to say that later on that evening, when the man had visitors over to see him in what seemed to be his last hours, there was apparently a knock at the door. And when one of the visitors opened the door, she saw an old hag-like woman with long white hair and a long white dress, who was wringing her hands and sobbing, only to turn to come rushing at the house with an ear-splitting scream before vanishing into thin air. According to the story, the old man died just a few hours later. The other account comes from a woman in the town of Bogside, who claimed the encounter had been witnessed by her grandfather and his son. The grandfather had been having severe pain in his tooth at the time, but had been putting off seeing a dentist about it. One evening, the son was walking along when he heard a wailing sound coming from down the street, which seemed to be coming from a hunched-over figure he took to be a crying child. But as he drew closer, soon saw was a hideous old woman. As the sun approached, the ancient-looking woman cried out and vanished. The son was sure that the lady had been a banshee and tried to warn his father to go see a dentist, but he died before he could. Alan had been crying in his sleep, or at least that's what he had thought, as he was waking up, but then he realized the sound was not coming from him but from somewhere in his room. He raised up onto his elbows and looked around. His eyes caught movement in the darkest corner of his room. At first he thought it was his sister, but the figure was too large to be an eight-year-old girl. Alan's arms started to crawl with goosebumps as he began to recognize the familiar figure standing in the corner. It was the woman from earlier that night. He tried to yell at her, but no sound came out. His heart was beginning to race, and he tried to climb out of bed, but his legs wouldn't move. He couldn't take his eyes off of her, and he watched, horrified as she floated towards his bed. She reached the side of his bed and leaned down until the moonlight through the window caught her face. Her mouth was still agape, just as it was before, and her eyes were still red, but her flesh looked rotten and decayed. She lowered her face until it was just a few inches from Alan's, then suddenly she grabbed his neck with long, cold, bony fingers and shoved him down into the mattress. Alan again tried to move, tried to fight his way free, but it was as if he was paralyzed. He opened his mouth and tried to scream, but when he did, the sound was the sound of her screams. <coughs> Alan finally managed to roll over, and he landed with a grunt in the floor. He was tangled in the sheets and soaked in sweat. It had only been a dream. The sun was starting to rise outside, so he quickly got up and got dressed. After the news about Calvin last night, 
he had forgotten to tell his dad about the woman on the road. After that dream, he didn't want to wait another minute. He went downstairs and found his dad sitting at the kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee while reading his paper. His dad was old-fashioned like that. His mom was cooking breakfast and had her back turned to them. Alan pulled out a chair and sat down. He told his dad he needed to talk to him. His dad lowered his paper and gave him a nod, granting him permission to go ahead. Alan started by telling him about getting creeped out back at the garage, and then told him about the woman on the road. Sometime during the story, his dad had gotten more interested and laid down his paper. He was now looking him right in the eye. When he finished his recount, his dad sat as he thought for a moment, and finally, he told Alan something that his mother had passed on to him. He reminded Alan that his own mother had been Irish. She had moved to the States after she met and fell in love with his father and later married him. He said his mother was originally an O'Donovan and that the family passed a story down for generations about a family curse. But it was more of a legend. As the story goes, in the 1600s there was a woman who was nicknamed Banshee who told the villagers that her husband had went off to sea. She would stand in the fields waiting for him to come home. One of the villagers found what they believed was her bloody dress, and they captured and tortured her until she confessed. She told them she had sacrificed her husband in a ritual of the dark arts. The villagers sentenced her to death as a witch, and burned her at the stake. From that day on, the woman was seen wherever there were families with the last name of those villagers. If someone heard her wailing, then someone in their family would soon die. But if they saw her and heard her wail, then that person would also die soon after. Alan was visibly shaken and his dad gave a half-hearted chuckle. He told him it was just a story to scare children. He was sure that what Alan had seen had not been a banshee. Alan was not so sure. They sat quietly at the table, waiting for breakfast, and while they waited, Alan remembered the dream. He had not told his dad about that. Turning to set a skillet on the table, Alan's mother gasped. She put the skillet down and almost dropped it. Then she pulled back the collar of Alan's shirt. Around his neck were bright reddish marks in the shape of handprints. Alan jumped up and ran to the bathroom and looked into the mirror. Sure enough, Right where her hands had been in his dream, there were the beginnings of bruises that looked very much like hands. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. 
If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Darkness Prevails podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore explores the werewolf, a man-wolf beast that is one of the most legendary and terrifying monsters in the world. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.